Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast. My name's Eden Christopher from the statutory insurance team here at McCabe Kerwood. Today I'm with Ash, paralegal in our team. Hi. And Bethany, a graduate at law. Hi. Today we're going to be talking about some evidentiary issues that usually come up in litigation, especially insurance litigation. And they are hearsay. Whenever you've got a police statement and you want to tender it at court, it's a, it's technically hearsay and inadmissible. We're going to talk about some a particular matter where we got that admitted despite some controversy. And also expert opinions. What experts can provide what opinions? Uh, we'll start with hearsay. As I said, we had a particular matter where this was controversial. We had essentially an accident where the plaintiff said he was run off the road by an unidentified truck. There was an independent witness who gave two contemporaneous statements to police who said, basically, the plaintiff ran himself off the road. He was driving recklessly and just lost control of his motorbike and fell over. Now, the witness was favourable. He was very compliant in the beginning, but as we got closer to the hearing, he got cold feet. He didn't want to give evidence anymore, and it got to the stage where he said that if we forced him to go with a bench warrant or something else to get him to court, that he would just lie or pretend to forget what he said previously. Now, since it's hearsay evidence, it can be admitted if the maker is unavailable. And the witness in this instance said, I'm moving to Queensland, you'll never find me, and therefore he would be unavailable. But Ash, what did end up happening? So under the Act, a witness is unavailable when all reasonable endeavours have been made uh, to secure the witness and they're still not able to appear in court. So we had run electoral roll search, we'd called all numbers that we had available to us, sent letters to all the addresses we had, emailed all the email addresses that we had within our position, and we even enrolled an investigator. He was available under the statutory definition. Because we ended up finding him, yeah. Correct, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, we found him. So <laughs> we couldn't tender the statement, so what are we going to do? So we decided that his evidence was so crucial to our case and that we needed to tender the statement. So our strategy was that as soon as he made an inconsistent statement, we were going to make an application under Section 38 of the Act to enable our counsel to cross-examine him, to treat him as an unfavourable witness, and then tender the statement. Yeah, it was a very risky strategy. Luckily, in this matter, we were able to avoid all that risk and possible credibility issues of that particular witness by coming to an agreement with the other side to tender all police documents without objection because they were before the two experts which provided road and traffic engineer opinions. So luckily we got the statement tendered without objection and we didn't have this issue, but very risky strategy and a very cool way to see how the Evidence Act works. Another issue which I said at the top of the segment we were going to talk about today is uh, expert opinions and basically who can give what opinion in respect of care. Now, we're going to talk about the matter of borrowed bricks and cosmetics, which most people would know give some great commentary about contributory negligence, but it's also pretty useful in other ways. Can you tell us a bit about that matter, Bethany? Yeah, so in this case, the Court of Appeal provided some guidance on what evidence is required to substantiate a claim for domestic care. 
The plaintiff relied on evidence from himself and also his carers that he received assistance of some two and a half hours per week in the garden and two hours per week with housework. In order to prove that the plaintiff required the care received, the plaintiff's solicitors relied on Dr. Matthew Giblin's opinion, who is an orthopaedic surgeon. And this report stated that the plaintiff required domestic assistance, namely four hours a fortnight for gardening and four hours a week for home care. The issues that then were raised about this opinion were that there was no consideration of the size and configuration of the plaintiff's home and his pre-accident domestic environment was also not um, discussed and Dr. Giblins did not provide any details on how he had actually reached his assessment of care. So this resulted in Justice Baston commenting that the basis of the assessment was not provided for consideration and given an orthopaedic surgeon's normal expertise doesn't usually include an assessment of care needs, there was no weight given to this report for assessing care. Yeah, pretty important uh, matter and great commentary to use in any submissions that you use before cars or in even before a court. Another matter which talks about the competing expert opinions and picking the right expert is the matter of Smith and Alone, another Court of Appeal matter. Uh, In this matter, the whole issue was about future economic loss and whether or not the claimant had a capacity to work into the future. One party relied on Dr. Peter Walker, an orthopaedic surgeon, who said the claimant uh, was totally incapacitated. And the other party relied on Dr. Brian Zeman's opinion, and he's a rehabilitation advisor or a rehabilitation physician. He thought the claimants had an ongoing capacity to perform probably about a quarter of the work that he did beforehand. Now, the trial judge accepted Dr. Zeman's opinion. However, on appeal, the court found that, you know, the whole issue was an orthopedic one and therefore only Dr. Peter Walker had the expertise to comment on it. In the end, the reliance on Dr. Zeman's opinion was found to be uh, erroneous. So... This matter, as well as Cosimudas, point out that you've really got to consider the evidence that you need and pick the right expert to handle that. And so that concludes our our evidentiary podcast, we could call it. Uh, thanks, Ash, for helping us out. No dramas. And thanks, Bethany. Great. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We'll leave links to both of those cases below. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me, Peter Hunt, Andrew Gorman, or anybody else in the statutory insurance team. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at or visit our website to see McCabe Kerwood's full team of specialists.